0: is being destroyed for not having the knowledge, a lack of knowledge. They've had a teacher that's taught them the wrong way, and that's led them to destruction. The other group is spoken of in verse 5. That's the prophet who also will fall. That prophet or false teacher has not just not had the knowledge, he had the knowledge and rejected it. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how you can identify false teachers. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about false teachers. In this episode and in the next episode, we're going to try to do kind of a a two-part thing. And in the first part of that, we're going to be identifying a false teacher. And in the second part... Um, which would come out the following week, uh, we are going to be talking about how to combat false teaching through proper discipleship. Um, so this episode may not necessarily touch on discipleship per se as much as we normally do, um, but we are trying to set up what a false teacher looks like so that in next episode we can talk about how to combat the issues of uh, false teaching that you may experience and probably will experience as you're teaching the Bible. And so uh, keep that in mind. And so today, again, we're going to be talking about false teaching. Um, my name is Simeon Brazel. I'm joined as usual by uh, Pastor Brian Stewart. Hello. And we are looking forward to uh, working through this idea of uh, false teaching. And so the first part we're going to do, again, is identifying false teaching. We're going to start out in Colossians chapter 1, and Pastor Stewart, if you want to take off from there.
1: Certainly. Uh, in episode 2, we defined discipleship as ministering so that everyone matures to Christ likeness, And so... That is the goal of discipleship, is to really instill the life that God has given to us as individuals. And we pass that along uh, to and, and help them to abide in him so that they can get to maturity as well. And so in those early uh, years of their Christian walk, discipleship is really designed to do that. Paul talks about that in Colossians chapter 1. In verse 25 he says whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you and we we've, we we kind of made uh, uh, an exposition of this uh, passage so you can go back to uh, the episode number two to find out uh, more of this discussion on this passage but I just want to put us in remembrance of it but if we look at verse 28 he says whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So that's where we get this idea that it's Christ-likeness. It's their maturity in him that we are Mm -hmm. pursuing. And we are to warn every man and teach every man in all wisdom. And that wisdom we know comes from God's Word. It's what Christ has taught us from his Word, through his Spirit, and that's what we need to teach and pass on to these that God has given us to disciple and ultimately they are to be disciples or followers of God and of Christ Jesus as dear children as Ephesians tells us. Mm-hmm. So we see here that this whole process and in order to be able to identify faults we have to first identify what is true or what is the the proper teaching. And so the proper teaching is that wisdom that comes from god's word through the leadership of the holy spirit that will lead men and women to a proper relationship with god and if we stop and think about it for a minute that really is what were our created purposes is, isn't it we were created to fellowship mm-hmm. with him to to bear his image and his uh likeness to the rest of creation and so there is to be a intimate and and uh uh, fellowship and an ongoing relationship with the God of heaven. Mm-hmm. And the problem is in Genesis chapter 3, we sinned. And we need now Christ to be the second Adam to take our place and uh, to, to bring us to that proper relationship and then the proper fellowship. And so this discipleship is to help us, to help those that are not in a right relationship with God, to give them the gospel so they can be. And when they do get in that right relationship, then we teach them the things of God's word as he's taught it to us so they can be in right fellowship with him. And so we are to preach and teach warning and teaching every man so that they can be what? Presented every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So that phrase, Mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus, is important. And we'll see that as we identify uh, false teachers going forward.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's an excellent point that you you were talking about how the discipleship points everybody back to Christ, and really we're going to talk about that quite a bit in the next this episode in the next episode about pointing people back to Christ, um, but. If you look in in Colossians 2, chapter number six, or verse number six, rather, um, it says, mm-hmm. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We're going to be using this these verses in Colossians in the next episode as well. Um, but the point we want to key in here today is verse eight says, Beware, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of God, of the Godhead bodily. Um, so what a false teacher is doing, if you wanted to, to, to boil down a false teacher or in false teaching, it comes down to this. Godly teaching, proper teaching, proper discipleship points people to Christ. Ungodly teaching, false teaching false prophecy, as the Bible often calls it, or teaching, um, is pointing you towards anything other than Christ. In this case, it talks about spoiling you through philosophy and vain deceit in two ways. One, after the traditions of men, that's legalism. Um, And then the second way is after the rudiments of the world. In other words, the methods and ideas that the world uses and not after Christ. He says, my my ways are higher than your ways, right? So the world's ideas, the world's ways um, of getting things done, um, those are the rudiments mm-hmm. of the world. That's how the world does things. And a false teacher, all of their teachings can be boiled down into those two things. Either they are the traditions of men, Um, Legalism, laws, things that bind people up. We'll talk about the Pharisees in a little bit. And then the other is the methodology, the methodology of the world. And We've talked on this podcast about how our methodology ought to match up with our philosophy. And this is exactly what he's saying here. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. And so your philosophy has to come from Scripture. Therefore, your methodology will come from Scripture. And he's saying here that a false teacher's philosophy comes from the traditions of men, rudiments of the world, and therefore his teaching also comes from the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world. I find it interesting how you can go through all throughout Scripture and find the same ideas over and over and over again Amen. because it's all from the same author.
1: Yes, sir. In in vain of that, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. Uh, in, in this passage, and there's a couple of verses before we'll look at here in just a minute, but uh, verse 23, he says, and, I, and I, what I like about this passage and what God teaches us here is that he really boils it down into a very simple principle for us. And uh, I need simple because I can't remember complex <laughs> very well. And I need simple, and he does that for us here. In 1 John 2:23, it says, Whosoever denieth the Son... The same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. He's talking about here having the, having the Father. is talking about having a relationship and, and having that proper relationship with him. In other words, he's talking about salvation here. But you're also having the Father if you have the Father, and he is your Father, as Jesus talks about in John chapter 3, uh, that our, we need to be born again into the family of God and He talks about that extensively in his ministry on earth. He's talking about his father being uh, our father if we've put our faith and trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. So he's saying if you have the father, then uh, you have that right relationship, which is going back to exactly what we were created to do, Mm -hmm. is have a right relationship with God, our creator, and to have right fellowship with him. And so what does he say here? He says, whosoever denieth the Son. Interesting thing is in the in the Bible times when that was written, they understood that word denieth as this, to contradict, to disavow, to reject, abnegate, deny, or refuse. So let's look at those for a moment. Whosoever disavows the Son, the same hath not the Father. So, There's different degrees of denying here. A lot of times we think of somebody that denies something that they've, uh, like you said earlier, they've taken a 180-degree turn Mm -hmm. and gone the other direction, and that can be true. If You can deny something and disavow it or reject it completely. Mm -hmm. You can abnegate it. In other words, that means to make it as if it it isn't so, Uh, and at least attempt to do so then. And so he's saying, whosoever denieth the Son. But here's the interesting thing. A lot of false teachers don't come right out and disavow Christ. Mm -hmm. They don't reject Christ. So how am I going to... I mean, those ones are easy to identify. Uh, They may abnegate him in some regards or refuse him. And those are easy ones to identify. But it's the one who is subtly contradicting. And that's part of the definition of this word, denying the Son, is contradicting him. Mm-hmm. If they say something that is opposite or different, at any level, than what he said, they are not of the Father, and by definition, they are a false teacher Look at the first the two verses before verse 23. So let's start in verse 21. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. So it, he's very clear here, it's black or white. Is it a mm-hmm. lie or is it truth? There's no in, in the middle ground there. Verse 20, 22, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. That means you can contradict that statement outright, or you can contradict it with some subtle teaching either way you're denying that jesus christ is the christ and he says that person is an antichrist that denieth the father and the son so this idea of denying the son because why when we look at what is our what are we looking to do in discipleship it's to do what it's to give them the truth about god about their relationship with god so that they can be in a right relationship so that they can be in right fellowship with him so that mm-hmm. they he they can glorify God with their lives which is why they you and I and everyone was created and so the false teacher and identifying him or her is the person who denies the son at any level because the whole purpose of discipleship is to what to get that person in right fellowship with the son right so they can go forward
0: yeah and how is the son in today's day and age revealed to us. He's revealed to us through his word um, and by, by the Holy spirit as well. And so you can also go so far as to say someone who simply denies a part, a portion, a small portion, a large portion of the scripture as a false teacher. That's someone who is denying a part of how Christ has determined to reveal himself to us. Um, one other passage that parallels this is 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, at the beginning, the, it says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them up, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, but their, and their damnation slumbereth not. So Peter, as he's writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes it very clear that those false prophets that were at one time among God's people are also going to be among us now. And he's saying that they are privately or privily speaking damnable heresy. They, they're not outwardly, openly standing on a soapbox and preaching the denial, outward, complete denial of Christ. These people are privately, in a more secretive type of way, spreading damnable heresies that they themselves may not even recognize as damnable heresies. Um, but they're spreading things and denying the Lord that bar- brought that bought them, and that word denying again has that same connotation of not one hundred percent completely submitting to the authority of God. There's some part in which they're saying, "Well, this may actually mean this, or change, or try to t- tweak, or to change something that God says to match with their own philosophy." Um, again, that's those. The worldly philosophies or the the laws of man, legalism, um, applies here as well. In both of these passages, if we apply them back, um, I, I was thinking of that passage in, in James chapter 2, verse 10. I won't go there for the sake of time, but it talks about um, how if you break the law in one part, you've broken the law completely. You've broken the whole of the law by breaking any one part of it. And if we take any part of God's word and say, well, this isn't true or this part isn't isn't really the word of God or that you change the meaning of any one of those parts, you're guilty of changing the whole thing.
1: Going back to the damnable heresies, that word heresies there means to mold something that's artificial, something that's false. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a really good point you made there that this, this identifying this person is somebody who has purposely and intentionally molded their argument or their teaching and they have done it and in, mm-hmm. in it's taking it away from the truth it's it's molding it away from what the scripture says what god says and we saw as we saw there in uh first john that uh if it's a lie it's not true uh, it, you can't have both be true it can't be mostly true mostly true is still false yeah well
0: there's no such thing as a white lie right Correct.
1: Yeah, there's no there's no variations. It, it's either completely true or it's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I, when you take a test in school, I remember teachers would uh, give us a true and false test from time to time. And what, some of the professors in college would give us like 50 or 60 true and false questions. And they would tell us and they would warn us if it's not completely true, it's false. It Mm -hmm. could be 98, 99% true, but there's one word in there that makes it false, then it's not a true statement. And I think a lot of times people in in their, uh, I hate the word, but religious activities or the religious teaching and listening and and their spiritual life, we are a whole lot more accepting of falsehood, uh, sometimes not even knowing it, but accepting of falsehood than we are in any other area of our life and we Mm -hmm. tend to uh, just let it go Uh, and we tolerate falsehood in ways that we probably uh, should be more alert to and more uh, Mm -hmm. vigilant about and that's kind of what we'll get into in the second part of this uh, uh, episode but we want to make sure that uh, we understand this is that molding that these people are intentionally molding these teachings so that they are not mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be. And right. they may be doing that because they're following somebody ignorantly or they are following uh, and doing it uh, intentionally, knowingly. And we'll talk about that in just mm-hmm. a moment as well.
0: On our, on our last episode when we talked about rabbit trails, we somewhat addressed this issue. We were talking about how you could be discipling somebody and they keep wanting to go down a particular path. Over and over and over again, because they have an, they have an angle. They have something that they're trying to get at some teaching that they disagree with you on and they want to hit it until you agree with them on it when Mm -hmm. you're already grounded in what's true. And so you end up with this conflict of, I'm going to teach you the truth and I'm going to keep you on the truth and we're not going to keep going down this rabbit trail so that you can try and convince me of your false teaching. And that's one easy way to identify that something may be a false teaching. It's that someone's confronted with truth, and then they they won't they won't adjust their belief on it because it isn't a biblical belief. It's their belief. It's a man word, something sure. that they want to believe, and they keep keep going back. So we talked about that a little bit in the Rabbit Trails episode. Um, but that passage there in Second in Peter, you know, again, it's easy to say to identify that person who is out and out a false teacher who's speaking damnable heresies that are plain and simple and easy to, to to identify. But often these people are well-versed in scripture they have a good understanding of most of the Bible and they agree with us on most of the Bible Um, and they agree with God on most of the Bible, but there is a portion of the Bible that they refuse to believe with God. And so they know that they're in the minority, and so they are privately bringing up these damnable heresies in a secret type of way. And so we we have to be able to identify these kinds of people as as teachers, as disciplers. You're going to meet them, um, especially if you're in the pastorate. You're going to meet them. It is an inevitability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what it comes down to is, and, and honestly, in the in the day and age of the internet. Your people are going to, you know, you're going to win someone to Christ who's going to get enthusiastic, who's going to hop on YouTube and going to start watching some stuff that he shouldn't. And he's not going to know any better. Um, and so you're going to have to combat these damnable heresies, And we're going to talk about in the, that in the next episode. All right. So looking at that, that passage there in Second Peter, that leads us right into an Old Testament example of the same thing where God actually talks about the severity of what happens when people follow after a false teacher. And so, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn to the book of Hosea. Uh, you may have to pause to get there. We don't go there very often, um, unfortunately. But uh, Hosea chapter number four. And in Hosea chapter four, um, there's a lot of detailed description of what happens when you follow after a false teacher. And so, uh, Hosea chapter four, if you look just beginning in verse one, it says, hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land that in and of itself ought to be terrifying. Um, because the issue starts with me having a controversy with God, me having a controversy with God means I don't want to change myself. God having a controversy with me means that we've got a serious problem now. And so he says that God has a controversy with the land, the inhabitants of the land. And here's why. Because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. So there is a false idea of who God is, what he wants, um, what he expects. And because of that misunderstanding or purposefully non-acknowledgement of God's word, now we've got a controversy with God. And here's what it says. If we continue there, it says in verse number three, therefore shall the land mourn and everyone that shall, that dwell therein shall languish with the beasts of the fields and with the fowl of heaven. Yea, the fish of the sea shall also be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor approve another for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. In verse number five, it says, therefore shalt thou fall in a day and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. So Hosea, the whole book is a very, very serious, very serious book. But Hosea chapter number four, he is Hosea is is delivering the prophecy of the Lord here. And he says, hear the word of the Lord. Here's the problem. There's no truth. There's no mercy. There's no knowledge of God in the land. And worse than that, he says, therefore shalt thou fall in the day and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night. Here's what's happening. Verse number six wraps it all up. He says, my people are just destroyed for lack of knowledge. So simply not having the knowledge and serving the Lord the way that you should, they've followed after a false teacher. And the fact that they followed after a false teacher has led them to destruction. Secondly, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. So one group is being destroyed for not having the knowledge, a lack of knowledge. They've had a teacher that's taught them the wrong way, and that's led them to destruction. The other group is spoken of in verse 5. That's the prophet who also will fall. That prophet or false teacher has not just not had the knowledge, he had the knowledge and rejected it. And so a false teacher, whether it was the full knowledge of God or just a part of it or any part of it, they've not only have they decided that they're not going to live out that knowledge of God in their life, but they are going to promote the the something that is not truth in the lives of other people that is what a false teacher is that is what a false teacher does they don't just they don't just rebel against god in their own life they teach other people something that isn't true and those people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge so they're not destroying themselves only, they're destroying other people as well. They're dragging everybody down with them. And there's a very serious danger and a very stark warning here in Hosea about false teaching and what it does.
1: I want to add, add to that because I, I like the way that you were able to, through Scripture there, identify these two different groups. Uh, the ones that have been misled and the ones who are doing the misleading. And unfortunately, both are have the same consequence to their behavior mm-hmm. but in John chapter 8 verses 31 and 32 Jesus reminds us of falsehood the uh, the warning of falsehood this controversy was that they were accepting falsehood or per or uh, producing or giving out falsehood notice mm-hmm. Jesus said to the Jews uh, which believed on him if you continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This controversy Mm -hmm. was that there was no truth in the land. And because there was no truth in the land, which i.e. is God, is his son, and all of those pictures in the Old Testament that were pointing to him in the Old Testament, uh, tabernacle and temple and all of the uh, sacrifices and all of the things that God had instituted in worship were pointing to the Messiah, the Christ, the one who was the truth. Mm-hmm. And they had, they had long done away with that, rejected that. And so in doing so, they were rejecting the son. Or could we say, as John says it, First John, they denied the son. And because mm-hmm. they denied the son, God had a controversy with them. And that's the whole picture here of these false teachers are denying the son. They're, they are uh, contradicting truth which puts you automatically in falsehood and and, and error, and then when you're in that error, you've got nothing but condemnation, wrath, and judgment that's coming, and Mm -hmm. that's the whole purpose that Christ came, was so we wouldn't be in that condition, so we wouldn't be in that place, so that we could help minister to everybody, those that need Christ, so they can be in the right relationship, and those that are in right relationship but need to be in, in right fellowship with him, Mm-hmm. and there are many in our day that are misled and that's what our goal is in trying to discuss this discipleship and this model for ministry this system is yeah. to produce that uh, if we could kind of roll wrap it up in second peter chapter 3 and verse 17 if you are turning in your bible you'll know we've been kind of pretty much in the same general area with a couple exceptions um, in a lot of the explanation here so there's context that we are seeing this context but in 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 17 and 18 he says this ye therefore beloved so he's talking to believers seeing ye know these things before beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness and then he goes into what we should do be but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, i.e., the truth. And then he says this statement, To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. In other words, God is going to get the glory. Mm -hmm. The question is, are you and I going to live in the truth and in the knowledge of the truth so that we can be giving him the glory that he's deserving of? Mm Because one way or another, he's going to get it from us.
0: Yeah, I think it it would be an interesting study for someone to do um, on how God receives glory. And there's two main ways that we see that in Scripture. We see that by God's people obeying his word brings God glory because we are recognizing his superiority. And so it is an act of worship to obey. So we are giving glory to God. okay, And then we're also able to give God glory or God gets glory. Regardless of how how we do things, he gets glory by the punishment of sin. Not because God desires to punish sin, but because it is opposite to his nature. And so he receives glory when sin, or the opposite of what he is, is brought down. In other words, he is brought up and anything that is not like him is brought down. And then those two ways God receives glory. There's a lot of ways that we can personally bring God glory in our life. Um, But those are the two main ideas that we find in scripture, that God is glorified by the lifting of himself up and the pushing down of anything that is opposite to his nature. And so in this passage here, we are seeing that this false teaching is not lifting up God. It's bringing down his word and the truth. And we can then bring glory and glory to him by in Second Peter here where it says but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory both now and forever amen but I think that's going to wrap up this episode and so that we've talked quite a bit about um, false teaching and how to identify a false teacher and so in the next episode we're going to be talking about combating false teaching through proper discipleship so we're going to talk about how that uh, the, the, these false teachers that we've discussed today how we can work to combat that and um, and do so in our local church through proper discipleship so stay tuned for next week's episode and uh, we'll be back with you next week
1: hey, God bless you
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we're going to continue this discussion about false teaching. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at General Order, the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.